0: This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram, at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. <laughs> I need, I need, I need everybody to know that we, we've been trying to get this dang thing started for like five years. And I just, I just realized that the ladies and gentlemen just got taken out of me. So we're just, we're just going to fast forward that part.
1: So low energy.
0: No, I mean, I've got, I've got plenty of energy. I just, I realized that we are delirious and deliberately. Wait,
2: is that real? Did that really just happen?
0: Out I mean, of our minds. Have we started recording?
1: Yes. Thanks for butting in.
0: Oh. No. <laughs> It's not that you... Oh, you're so mean, Devin. Oh, my God. Look at him. Look at... He just knew he, he got all the joy in the world uh, in that. You I mean did. we started recording?
1: You know, I almost got as much joy out of that as I did watching Tom Brady suck at golf.
0: Yo, that, was, that, was amazing. that was so amazing. And now that you said that, we have to keep this beginning. So it's perfect.
1: I was so pleased. Like, I watched that and I'm like, I could legitimately destroy Tom Brady on the golf course. And that's not yeah. hyperbole. I would absolutely take his money it would be phenomenal
2: yeah. <laughs> my dad and i are getting ready to take up golf so pray for us please
0: oh you haven't started yet
2: no we were talking about it this weekend and he's not the best and so we were gonna do it together as a daddy-daughter bonding
1: okay well it was very stressful
2: I- i'm gonna buy some golf clubs and see what
1: happens <laughs> it's very stressful on people who are in a romantic relationship uh my my wife and i Probably nearly broke up multiple times um, oh while her learning to play golf.
2: Well, my dad and I are both very competitive, so I don't know how this will work out.
1: Yeah, uh, you'll be looking for emancipation, probably.
0: <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure. Can, can you do that after you turn 18? We're going to find out, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't
1: matter. <laughs> she's going to be so mad she's going to try it because it is not a good thing to do. It is, it is something that people who've never done it look at it and think it's easy, and it is most of the athletes will tell you it is ridiculously difficult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, while we pray for Justice and her father, welcome to the latest episode of I to I, Short for Inspired. (laughs) Oh my God, what is happening right now? Yeah, this is hilarious. But yeah, guys, welcome to the latest episode of I to I, Short for Inspired to Inspire, the podcast that's all about being open, honest, and real having conversations about life and faith. And of course, you know that we are willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. Although, again, for the second week in a row, I think that folk would beg to differ. Yeah. You know, like we should have been like a call in show. This would have been amazing to just sit up here and hear other people's thoughts and tell them how wrong they were. That would have
1: been fun. I mean, last week I got to tell you guys how wrong you were. (laughs) It would have been fun to do it to even more people.
0: Right, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that I was going to apologize for me just clearing my throat in the mic, but I digress.
1: That's fine.
2: It, it's kind of too late. It kind of already happened.
0: What
1: I'll do from now on, see, this will really get Jordan. This is how he will stop doing it. I will just tell him for every time that you clear your throat into your microphone, I will just cut 30 seconds of you talking out of the episode. It'll just be gone. Watch, he will not clear his throat again. Oh, snap. <laughs>
0: No, it just means there's gonna be an episode where it's straight Devin.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna be me and Swango.
0: That'll be yeah. It. yeah. You go, oh boy.
1: They're,
2: they're gonna wonder where you went, man.
1: The episode will just start. You'll hear Jordan welcome, welcome. <clears throat> and then that's it. <laughs> and then no more Jordan the rest of the episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll just be telling everybody, hey, it's not about me.
1: Yeah. Right. Yes. Of course. Take the take the humble approach.
0: God God is using us. And that's gonna be my story, and I'm gonna to stick to it. Yeah. So there's that. But uh, thank you guys once again for rocking with us and all of our uh, uh, nonsense and, and pettery. Uh Is that a word? It is today. Uh, and on this evening's episode, uh, like I think I just said, we're going to continue our conversation. I'm really excited. We're going to cover the, uh, part two, the last five episodes of The Last Dance. And no, we don't really go episode by episode. Um, but you know, nonetheless, it was just a really good conversation. Uh, that I think we had last time, and I'm excited to have one this time. Devin, what about you? What do you think?
1: Man, I'm super excited. I love talking sports, and we definitely got sportsy
0: last week. I mean,
1: we're either going to gain a lot of listeners or we're going to lose a lot. (laughs) Because there's going to be people who are like, I don't watch sports at all. I come for all of the social consciousness and and the theology. And I don't know who this Jordan fellow is other than a country near Israel. And, uh, <laughs> and then we'll lose them. Um, or we're going to gain a bunch of new people. So we'll see.
0: I don't know if people have figured it out yet, but we are a little something for a little bit of everybody. And sometimes you, you got to talk about the greatest game ever played uh, and one of the greatest people to do it, no matter how much of their life was put on blast in a process.
1: I mean, in reality, I don't think enough of his life was put on blast.
0: We don't need to talk about that. We're just going <laughs> to talk about the last dance. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, my name is Jordan.
1: And my name is Devin.
2: My name is Justice.
0: And we are really glad to have you guys rocking with us. So why don't we just shut up and not shut up at the same time?
1: Just as a side note, before we even jump in here, I am looking forward to getting back to a little bit of normalcy and we can start recording this thing like together pretty soon or we can be in the same room and it's that's going to be fun. Oh, snap. I know. Oh, snap. <laughs> Well, at least two of us can get together and record it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
0: yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I might clear my throat too much and get kicked off the office.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's it might just way. be me and you.
1: It's true. That's that might have <laughs> been the two that I meant. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: well, last week I had prepared uh, some questions to kind of help get us going. This week I don't have a bunch of questions prepared, but I'm usually good at coming up with some questions. So. We can just kind of jump in. I know we talked about what was the most surprising thing learned from the first five episodes. I think that's a relevant question for the second set of episodes. So, Justice, let's start with you. What was the most surprising thing that you learned from the second five episodes?
2: Well, so many different surprising things. But the biggest thing probably would be
1: (laughs) this is professional stalling
2: (laughs) (laughs) at its best okay go go somebody else go i can't
0: i mean it's the easiest thing of all because it's still kind of lagging itself out right now and i think we talked about it for two seconds last week um everybody thought the flu game was the flu game right and it said it's the food poisoning game and now in in accordance with with a pizza hut in, in utah it is not the food poisoning game (laughs) basically Jordan was just a softy and was throwing up for some other reason um that was very interesting to me just because in in the in the world of details I need y'all to understand that like for the past well over what was this 1997 so yeah roughly almost um uh three quarters of, of, of of two decades There have been people out there who played basketball one day and were really, really sick, and they were like, "If MJ could do it, so can I." (laughs) Right? (laughs) Their inspiration is often nothing. I mean, I was, I was weak. I was like, "Okay, well, I guess we're doing this then."
1: Well, what's funny is Dirk actually did have a flu game, which he balled out against the Heat. And I think it was the series that they beat the Heat. And all, all Wade and LeBron did before that game was mock mocked for being sick. So even when it did happen again, you know, they, <laughs> they were mocking him. Uh, I think the more surprising thing about the flu game for me was for all these years, I always thought it was the hangover game. I I thought the flu was just a uh, just a lie, a way to cover up the the hangover, and now you find out it's maybe food poisoning. And
0: nah, we'll see. If Dennis, if Dennis pulled down sixty rebounds in that game, then it might have been the hangover game, <laughs> but that's not the case. So yeah, I'm
1: gonna I mean, say that you're wrong. No, I mean that that was just a popular theory going on for a long time. Do you think the pizza
2: people did it on purpose?
1: Oh, see, I googled that too, and I'm like, I don't know if this is gonna look weird in my search history if somebody looks it up now that the, apparently the government could look up your your internet history without a warrant um but
2: that's a topic for another day
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it is um but i looked up how do you give someone food poisoning because i was curious i'm like how exactly do you do like i understand if you're the one preparing the food like you have the ability to put stuff on it but typically that's like what visine or something but that gives you gives you diarrhea not like flu sweats, puking, fever, all that stuff. Like, what exactly are they putting on this pizza?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I just know that there was rumor and I, I don't know. Well, because everybody was like, you know, that was such a big game. So I guess that's why people were speculating like, oh, did <laughs> they actually do it? And there was like five people standing that's out. I mean, said. I get it. You're de- delivering to Michael Jordan. I mean, come on, everybody wants to see him. But... I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, I felt the same thing. I was like, whoa, this whole time we thought it was just like flu, but like there was a whole pizza fiasco that was involved with it. <laughs> like what?
0: Yeah. What do you put on pizza that doesn't taste like Ipecac? Um, and for those of you oh. who don't know, Ipecac is the... Uh, <laughs> what?
1: I'm sorry. You're going to have to be muted for 30 seconds. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: So we're going with no, the pizza people didn't do it on purpose.
1: No, I think that they might have, but I don't know
2: how. Who knows, man? Who knows?
1: If you don't know what Ipecac is, there is a one minute clip from Family Guy that (laughs) will have you laugh crying because they all try it. And it is hilarious. So bad. I'll
2: have to look it up because I will. never watched Family Guy. Well,
1: this one episode, or that, just even just that scene is worth it. It is wow, so bad. It's so funny. It's beyond
0: bad, <laughs> but it's funny. So, oh my god. Okay, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. I don't know. I feel like something had to have happened because if not, Jordan doesn't get that sick. But you know. I don't know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe it really was the flu, and just Jordan don't really realize that.
1: Yeah. Because food poisoning doesn't last that long. Like, he ate the pizza at, what, 2 a.m.? He didn't play till 7 o'clock that night, and he still had all the symptoms. Like, usually food poisoning, you don't feel very good, you know? You get rid of it, and then you're feeling fine.
0: I am, unfortunately, an avid expert on food poisoning uh, Hmm. between the years of, like, 2009. To like 2016, um, it didn't happen that frequently. But when it did, it happened in spurts. Like it would happen like once every other month or something.
1: It happened in spurts. All right. Might not be the best verb to use, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Funny word to use when you're talking about food poisoning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So my most surprising thing was that we get through nine episodes and by episode 10, Phil Jackson is dropping explicit swanglage and just cursing up a storm. <laughs> uh, I I've never I don't think I've ever heard Phil curse, uh, not to say that I didn't think that he did, but the Zen master just all of a sudden just <laughs> dropping F-bombs and light. It's like, where did this come from? And I guess 1B, would be Jerry Sloan having a sense of humor? Like when, <laughs> when they beat him by, what, 45 points? And he looks, he gets in the press conference and he's like, 54 points. Oh, is that the final score? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's
1: <laughs> I didn't think Jerry Sloan had a sense of humor, especially when it came to losing. Um, so I was, you know, I think the coaches kind of surprised me.
0: All right, Jerry Sloan too. Dang it.
1: Yeah. This has not been a great year for basketball people.
2: I know. So sad.
1: What's crazy is, you know, we lost uh, Stern in January. That was this year. Oh. Mm -hmm. It was. It's crazy to think what happened in this year alone. But, yeah. Yeah. Basketball needed this documentary, I think. It was fun going down memory lane because these were so many series that I remember watching. Uh, I told you guys before we jumped on here that episode six was especially hard because I... Grew up going to Arizona in the summers, and that that Barkley team was very very important to me as a <laughs> as a <laughs> as a young lad. And uh, watching Jordan beat them, uh, yeah, that was that was tough. And Barkley was oh man, Barkley was so good that year. And that was one of those teams. You look at all these teams, and they had four or five guys deep, and. When you – it just goes to show when you have probably the two best players every time, you, you're going to come out on top. You can have two guys and a bunch of role guys because that Barkley team, they had Kevin Johnson and they had Chambers and they had Marley. Like, they had a bunch of – they had Ainge. Like, there was a bunch of dudes on that team that could play. Rex.
0: They had who else? They had Rex. I was trying to remember.
1: Um, I don't think he was on that that version. No. But uh, but they were they were deep team and they just you know couldn't couldn't do it and it's very telling when somebody as competitive as Barkley comes on and says, "Yep, I played my best game and he was better." And at that point, I realized there's somebody better than me <laughs> at this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's sad to think how many people Jordan did kind of leave in his wake. I did kind of get that sense watching the very last episode. Uh, the the class that Malone and Stockton both seem to have. Malone didn't come on the documentary. I guess he was one of only like two dudes who actually said they wouldn't come on. Which I mean, that's not surprising because of the type of guy that he is. But yeah. but you see him after games, you know, interacting with Michael, going on the bus after losing the second time to congratulate Mike. That was that says a lot about who that guy is. Um, but I mean, gosh, he's he's one of the greatest players that that we've we've had. And hear him and Stockton go out without a ring. Barkley goes without a ring. Reggie goes without a ring. Ewing goes without a ring. All these great great players go without any kind of hardware because Michael yeah. just <laughs> just steamrolled all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a matter of timing. And unless you were on a team that had Robert Horry. Chances are you weren't getting a championship if Michael wasn't on it.
1: That's right. That's right. Hall of Famer Robert Ory. What do you think?
0: Yeah, Big Shot Bob. I think
1: he should be in there because it's the Hall of Fame. He's famous. He's famous for just hitting shot after shot after shot.
0: (laughs) Really good player, too. He was. He was. Can't dismiss that unless your name is Justice Swango.
1: Yeah, but that's only because he retired by the time she was born, I think. So... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, he was a he was a big part of what three different dynasties.
0: Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. I think I know you're probably not going to want to hear this, but I think the Rockets joint was was I think the best one for him. I think that was one where he was more in his prime. No, he was. Else. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, yeah. he was. He was pretty much the third guy on that team. Where with the you know in the Lakers he was he was the fifth guy, but he didn't care. He came in and did what he had to.
0: That's the best role player ever. That's like a. Uh, They never made it and did anything, but just reminds me of Sleepyhead Sam, Sam Perkins, who was also a a teammate of MJ. That's why I thought about it so much because I remember that's who he played with at UNC. Mm -hmm. and He was the first one to let me know, all you got to do is just stand in the corner. They can just pass you the ball and you shoot that random three over and over and over again. Hey, yeah, (laughs) check on me. (laughs) Praise the Lord.
2: Yeah, and Perkins was the one who was kind of helping Kerr, you know, like developing and coaching him up you know, in his role Mm -hmm. on the Bulls team.
1: How did Kerr get an entire episode? That seemed kind of crazy.
2: Oh, I was just going to say that I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that him and Michael shared... um, I didn't know that Kerr's father had um, passed away like that. And I think that took me by surprise just as much as Michael Jordan's dad's murder Took me by surprise. Um, so I think maybe that's why. And I also think the the part that game where he hit that game winning shot. I mean, how do you not give him a whole episode with that along with the um,
1: yeah the the father parallels and
2: yeah the parallel between the fathers. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I learned that a couple years ago. I think it was during um, one of the press conferences because him and uh, Pop are, are both very outspoken against our current leadership and injustice and some things that have been going on in our nation. And he brought up the fact, you know, that that what his father was doing overseas and, you know, how important it was. It might have been during the Muslim ban uh, early on in Trump's presidency. I think he brought it up maybe. And that was when I learned that his his dad had passed away that way. So,
0: yeah, You know what got me also about that? Um, the conversation they were having with Kerr when he said that him and MJ have never talked about it. That was, that was interesting to me because yeah. I know, you know, we were talking about MJ last week and about the type of team player that he is and how he pushes people to be better. But um, yeah, that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, I guess maybe going back to my initial response, when you asked me what I think of when I think of MJ now, um, unfortunately, i hate to say it, but I feel like it's par for the course. Uh, and I don't know. It just, it kind of shocked me. Like when you go through something like that, like don't you need somebody to talk to? And I mean, I know he had Gus. I know he had Gus, but you got to have somebody who's gone through something similar. And I don't know. I I don't know. Just that strikes me as weird. I I guess I can put it that way.
2: But I think that everybody grieves in different ways. And so, I don't know, just from what I got from it, I feel like it would have probably been Really difficult for Michael Jordan to open up or to talk about that um, just because of the close relationship that he had with his father.
1: I also think that it's it's just a man thing. And yeah. here's the ultimate alpha male. And anytime you show vulnerability, it's considered weakness, which is is the opposite of of reality. <laughs> vulnerability and your ability to. Be vulnerable with other people it takes a tremendous amount of strength and courage and you only become better for it. But men are just awful at it and, and we're wired to think the opposite. And I think Jordan, especially opening up to somebody who wasn't wasn't on the team when he lost his dad, right? Like he wasn't a part of that team. Now coming on and opening up to somebody who you are supposed to be pushing every day and... you know you're punching him in the face (laughs) so that he'll get better the last thing you're going to do is be like hey let's try to connect on a really deep level uh i i think jordan was i think jordan was wrapped up in in his own mythology as much as as the next guy you know i mean you you talked about uh a little spoiler alert last time and what he told reggie miller uh calling himself black jesus that wasn't something miller came up with jordan came up with it
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah very true
0: I, that also, again, is par for the course. So I don't know. I just, uh, I think the one thing that I took away from this that almost has nothing to do with basketball um, and just not to put it in a, into the theological realm, but it, it reminds me of exactly how, how human people are, uh, even your, your most successful person. Like, and also even to that extent, it let me know that even though a person is successful uh, biblically, spiritually, and in all kinds of truth that we, as we know it, it doesn't really make them a success. You know, and that's the thing that I think maybe even haunts MJ to an extent. And if you don't believe me, just look at the fruit of everything that he's done since then. He's been really successful in certain endeavors, but the things that he's really desired to do the most, you know, the things that kept him in competition, especially owning a basketball team and owning a basketball team that is so par, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that that eats to him more than anything. I don't know if it eats at him enough to take away from him, you know, reminiscing on or 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 remembering everything that he was able to do when he got his championships. But no doubt, that's got to eat at him like nobody's business uh, because it's just the nature of who he is, you know?
1: Yeah, and when you hear people try to compare greatness across different sports, you know, I mean, Brady's obviously lumped into the conversation with Jordan quite a bit because they both have six and they've both been to, you know, more contemporary successful athletes. And it really does show you when it comes to basketball, how much control one guy can have. And unfortunately in almost any other endeavor that Jordan will now partake in, he'll never have that amount of control or that amount of, Ability over the deciding impact of, of how something's going to be. You know, being an owner, being a coach, being, you know, a, a GM, whatever it may be, you are ultimately relying on the pieces that you put together. Those pieces have to execute. There's nothing you can do. And a guy like him who demands so much control, you know, and you see it because he's talking about, I just wasn't going to let us lose. Well, when you're in the owner's box, uh, you, that. <laughs> you have zero control
0: over that. <laughs> well, you know, champion, and there's only one of us unfortunately, I just have to remind myself of that. Uh looking at everything that, you know, you were able to take away from it, um and knowing seeing his version of what we would call practical application, um what do you think your biggest takeaway from uh what do you think your biggest takeaway from, you know, the, the documentary is concerning, like, Jordan in Life and, and Pursuit and Championship? Um, because, you know, like I said, none of us are champions. But, you know, you, you the reason why I ask is because you obviously have had a certain amount of pedigree that has gotten you to that spot specifically. And so you can actually recall what it means to finally achieve or attain that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, you know, watching his means, watching his methods, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I know it's, it's it's high school to NBA, but if, if I I can't say anything about it, Devin can't say anything about it because neither of us have been able to attain that. You know, the only championship I ever got was in in a in a. Ronald McDonald House charity walkathon at the age of eleven. <laughs> I Don't think that counts for anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and
1: I haven't won anything in a team sport. I, I did, you know, I've, I've won some individual accolades, but, but it's not a direct comparison to winning on a basketball team. And so, yeah, you're the expert.
2: I think the biggest takeaway. Something that Jordan said that really struck out to me is that he said, leadership comes at a price, or something along the lines of that. And I truly believe that. I agree with that statement. And, you know, I obviously don't have the accolades or recognition that Michael Jordan has. But winning a championship is one of the greatest feelings that I have ever experienced in my life. I mean, those are some of the greatest moments that you have, like memories that you will hold on to. I mean, the day in and day out work that's put in. But I think for me, I was a big person on like leading by example. You know, I was a three-time captain. So I was always the first one in the gym, the last one to leave, you know, I wanted to lead my team. And I had that same type of drive mentality fight. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes to lead my team to a championship. I wasn't the leading score on the team. I wasn't the tallest person on the team, but anybody who you talk to will tell you that I was a fighter (laughs) I was gonna lead my team through and through, and you could see the passion, the heart um, that I played with. And so for me, it was almost like I saw a reflection of myself in a sense because I was like, "Man, like I see that mentality in him that that I had." But I think that that comes from just what my dad instilled in me. You know, that's who my dad is. That's the life that he lives. You know, he's just—he's a winner. He has a winner mentality. And it's so true that that leadership comes at a price. um, Because, you know, not everybody's going to like you, you know, not everybody's going to like what you have to say. You know, when I was in college, I was always considered the one that, like, told the truth hard in a sense. And then my best friend, she was the other captain and she was more of the soft, like, Hey, everything's going to be okay. You know, like everything's good, you know, whatever. And I had to learn that, um, it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. And so navigating that through leadership too. Um, so I don't know, there's just so many things. I, I definitely wasn't as mean of a person as Michael, like I wasn't calling people <laughs> out of their names or anything. You didn't punch I anyone didn't... in
1: the eye socket. Okay.
2: Yeah, it wasn't going that far, but it really took me back to like my glory days too. You know, like you sit back and you reflect, and you're like, oh man, like you see some of those moments in your own experience, which is really cool. You know, it's not at the same capacity, like you said, like. The NBA versus high school is completely different or college or whatever. But yeah, but you still see the same, the same type of principles, you know?
1: Yeah. And we we all have different things in our life that will be a challenge for us or where we can compete competitively. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we have the physical gifts to, you know, be be a world class at at anything, but that doesn't mean that you know, you can't experience some of that competitiveness or what it's like to win something or what it's like to lose something. You know, I know there's times where if I'm competing in something that I know that I'm good at, like, you know, Jordan, obviously every time he stepped on, he thought he was the greatest. There's diminishing returns when you win something that you feel you should win. It actually hurts a lot more to lose. And then when you win something that you've like expect yourself to win cuz you've put in the time, you put in the effort, you know you're good at it. And then you win it, you're just kind of like, well, I was supposed to. And there there isn't there's a diminishing return in the joy factor of it. And I wonder if that's part of why a lot of these guys only, you know, when you win three in a row, that's like the most you can really do because it's just it it's not chasing that same feeling I know this is a weird analogy but they talk about that with like drug use right like nothing's like that first time and you keep chasing it and it's not the same instead it's almost more of a relief sometimes when you win something you think you should win um it just because you're like oh thank god I didn't lose again because it just it hurts so much more than actually the joy of winning
0: yeah no I feel like that's um Kind of eerie and dark, thanks, Devin. Yeah. But no. That's what I'm here for. Uh, but I really do feel like uh in the grand scheme of things, it's funny because I'm about to make justice squirm again. Um, mm-hmm. one of the, the things I actually appreciate about a player like LeBron is that when he does win, you know, it's I'm sure he expects it. But then, you know, especially when he got the one for the land, you got to remember like there was there was so much behind it. There was so much heart in it. There was so much reason why he came back home even after Dan, whatever his name was, like wrote that letter, just cussing him out, um, you know, because he did it for his people. He did it for his community. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I think even in that, you know, just that the amount of family that he invests. And I, I, I use family as, as like the word is the, the type of community that he invests into his team and to his teammates and stuff like that. I feel like it makes it all the more rich to be able to celebrate it because and, you know, this is me probably taking another jab at Michael, but whatever. Um, I'm sure even with the team, when Michael was celebrating, there was something about it that was really more so flying solo, especially the championship when he came back. Uh, from playing baseball because, remember, that was the Father's Day game. And remember the first thing that he does, he falls on the ground, he takes the ball. Randy Brown is trying to celebrate with him. He's like, "Nah, get off me, get off the ball. I'm trying to celebrate. And then he goes into the locker room all by himself, and he lays on the ground, and he's crying. And it's understandable. I'm not trying to dismiss that because that was after his pops you know, had just been killed, and this is the first time that he's celebrating a championship without him. Nonetheless, though, Um, the more that he celebrates, especially in the interviews where you listen to him, you could tell that he is kind of just kind of fading out of the process. You know that retirement is looming. When he retired the first time, it was because of that. And I think that in all likelihood, even though he appreciated the, the teammates that he had, he wasn't in it with him. It was more like he was dragging them to it with him instead. And of course, that's going to tire you out. And of course, that's going to burn you out. And that was the amazing thing that I think we missed in touching on the first time is the fact that this man got burnt out of the sport that he loved and appreciated the most. He, he loves it so much that at the end of an episode, he cries. and He tells him to cut and take a break. You know what I'm saying? If you love something that much, there's no way you're ever really getting burnt out on it unless... You're just doing too much, or in this case, you're doing the most. And I think Mike was doing the most, to be perfectly honest with you. Hey, peoples, it's Marquise from Marquise and the Mobin, and I want you to go to your digital outlet and check out our new single, Mighty to Save. It's our high-energy take on one of our favorite anthems of faith. So go, add it to your workout, rock out, chill out playlist on any streaming service. That's Mighty to Save by Marquise and the Mobin.
2: and I add to that because I, well, I want to add two points. One, being on a team with players who you want it more than they actually want it. And it's difficult. It's difficult to be in a leadership role. And you not only have these goals for yourself and what you'll want to accomplish, but not only for yourself, but for your team. And so... I like really thought about that. I'm like, man, I've I've personally experienced that where like I've been on teams where you're constantly dragging people or trying to motivate them. But I've just learned that you can only do so much, you know, to, to bring those people alongside of with you, um, especially in college, you know, because there's a lot of politics that go into college, but that's a whole another thing for a different day but um but yeah I think you see that in Michael Jordan's teams is not that they didn't want it I don't want it to come across that way but you can tell that he was the constant motivator for his team that he definitely had more drive more will to win and that's what led them. I mean, the reality is if he was not on that team, then those teams would not have been as successful as they were, period, because of the leadership and the mentality that he had to say, you know what, I'm literally going to put you guys on my back and I'm going to carry us. That's literally the mentality that he had. But to my second point that I was going to say is that I feel like there's a weight that comes with winning though. Like when you have felt winning, and especially for me, I came from a winning program, like Princess Anne Women's Basketball is, they're like known for winning. And so there's that pressure of like, okay, this is the legacy that has been carried on. We have to continue that, that legacy, that tradition. And so there's a little bit of weight. And sometimes I even say, I mean, I know it, you wouldn't think this because you're a winning team, but you're almost kind of like the underdog in a way, you know, because people expect you to like get there, but they don't realize the like preparation and actual work that it actually takes to keep sustaining that winning mentality and that streak. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, especially when people are coming in and out. I mean, people graduate, people come and go. And so... I don't know, there's just so many different factors that play into it.
1: Yeah, one of the words you brought up there was legacy and I can't help but wonder if a lot of the the absolute greats like the guys who we talk about via text message where we actually use the goat emoji, you know, that level of greatness where people are truly considering are you the greatest of all time to have done what you're doing? Is there a sense that they are constantly chasing ghosts. You know, they're constantly chasing the legacy as opposed to just winning one, you know, or or just winning an MVP or just winning, you know, it's about more than just winning as a team. It's about the overall story of what you're trying to complete. And I think for some of them and, you know, a handful of the examples that I can kind of, draw on it it makes sense with some of them because the people who are aware of their greatness seem to handle winning differently Michael handled winning a lot of times by like Jordan said not necessarily celebrating with his team because it had so much more than just winning for that team it had a lot to do with cementing legacy and I think some you know a lot of times we equate winning with with joy or happiness but I think for these Super special, rare athletes, you equate winning with relief because you have been able to meet this expectation that not only you have for yourself, but that other people have on you. And that almost removes the ability for joy because you're just like, instead, I'm just relieved. Like, I think, as happy as LeBron was when he did win that one in Cleveland finally, I think there was. This sense of relief because he put everything on the line by leaving a solid organization to go to an organization that has been nothing but kind of a laughing (laughs) stock, and go back home and say, I'm going to do everything I can to get this done. He's basically making promises that he can only control to a point. And when he was able to cash in on that promise, there's probably a sense of, Of relief more than joy. And the only other person that I really look at with that example is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods won the Masters in ridiculous fashion when he was 21 years old. He didn't win another major for almost two and a half years. And when he did, it was against Sergio Garcia, who's this up and coming 20 year old who's running up and down the fairway with all this joy and excitement. Meanwhile, Tiger knows. He's only won one, but he's, you know, 23, 24 at the time. He just went through, after he won the Masters, he went through an entire overhaul of his swing for two years. He changed everything that he was doing to get better. And he had to, he did that because he wanted more than just one. He wanted 18. That's how many Jack has. That's what he was chasing from the jump. So he committed to changing everything that got him to where he was so that he could get even better. And after two and a half years, he finally wins one. And... The look on his face when he wins it, if you look it up on YouTube, it is this sense of relief. He closes his eyes and like looks up to the sky and he's like, oh, I can finally exhale because all the work I put in paid off. And it wasn't even joy. It was just like, okay, good. That, that gamble I took worked. Now let me go get the next one. And there's just, there's very few athletes that are like that.
0: It wasn't the Tiger Woods fist.
1: <laughs> it was not. No. I mean, those came, those came later. You know, those came later,
0: but… All of them did the the fist. Michael Jordan did the fist. Tiger Woods did the fist. Well, nah. LeBron does a bunch of weird stuff. (laughs) Uh, He he did like his own equivalent of TikTok dances before TikTok came out. Yeah. So.
1: But then you compare that to like how Tiger won the Masters most recently. Those expectations were gone now. True. You know, he'd gone 10 years without winning anything. He'd gone through so many injuries that you can't even fathom him coming back. And, yeah. and playing at that level. And when he did, it was just sheer joy. There was no relief now because he was no longer chasing that legacy. He'd let that go. I don't even think that he, even after winning that one, I don't think he's still thinking, you know, hey, I can still go get this, this thing. I think he's going to let his career speak for himself. Um, I think that everything that happened... You know, back on that Thanksgiving night,
0: <laughs> you know, more than a decade ago. I was about to say the realest injury of all, that seventeen <laughs> iron to the job. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I think <laughs> that changed who he was internally and made him deal with a lot of things. And now, for for all intents and purposes, he's he's a tremendous father. He spends a lot of time with his kids. Uh, you know, he's he's just changed. He's no longer fighting and chasing that legacy. And of course, you know, a game like golf is different than basketball because your career can span twenty five years instead of twelve. Um, it's also an individual game versus a, a team game. You know, there's a lot of differences, but but I do think that the most comparable champion and kind of in how he handles himself to Michael is, is probably Tiger. And we'll probably get one of these 10-part 10, 10 documentaries on Tiger one day.
2: <laughs> do you think that you could kind of um, like have that perspective for when Michael Jordan leaves the NBA to go and play professional baseball. I mean, because, I mean, even his trainer was saying, like, your body, what you're getting ready to do and how you're going to train your body. I was getting ready to do the swango tap, y'all. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: no, The swang um, bang?
1: <clears throat>
2: <laughs> the swang bang, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how you're getting ready to train your body is going to be completely different for baseball than it was for basketball. I mean, he had to completely shift gears. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if we could argue like what you just said to that point with Michael when he came back from returning from from playing baseball for what it was like a year and a half I think. Um yeah and, and I think
1: I think you can. I think that first championship back I think was that relief championship because not only was it okay, good I am who I thought I was,
2: <laughs> but right.
1: also so, I yeah. I I got this one for dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when cause cause Tiger experienced the same thing too. Like his dad died, um, you know, kind of in the middle of his run. And, you know, these these guys, they whether the relationship's good or bad, there's all the dad matters. <laughs> matters a lot in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think that that relief came for Michael that same way. And I think that's why he probably was rolling around on the floor with the ball by himself. It was not about the team that in that moment, it was about him and and the ghost nope. that he was chasing and the ghost that he was trying to please. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that's an interesting perspective that like, I never even like thought of that sense of relief, you know? And Again, I I think it does go back to I'm going to prove you wrong to type of mentality. Like, I mean, they kept telling him you're not like your body's not going to be the same and just his willpower to push through no matter what. And I think a lot of that uh, with his father's death and wanting to get that not only for himself, but for other reasons, really just pushed him into being able to continue to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish yeah
1: and he admitted so many different times throughout this documentary that he would basically make up stories to himself to make him feel like the underdog because right. because i think when i was when, about to say when, when you're the favorite like you you have a lot more to lose when you're the favorite and you, yeah. you will tighten up when you're you're the one with the lead you will go to the prevent defense you know you will check down you know you, you'll You'll try not to lose versus playing to win, where when you're yeah. the underdog, who cares? And I think I think Michael realized he had to put himself in that mentality at times so mm-hmm. that he could he could play a little bit looser because I mean some of the stuff he was making up.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's think back then because you, you were about to say, was, I'm thinking now that series versus the jazz. yeah nobody was doing anything in particular. I think, that could put him in that mood. So, he had to find someone. And so, <laughs> with the Pizza Hut guys, <laughs> it was personal. Yeah. Yes. And not personal pan. Was it was say, just personal. I was going
1: to say, are you going to make a terrible personal pan joke? And you did.
0: Uh, I was like, maybe it is a, a personal yeah. pan. I don't, You're I don't know. You're
1: probably going to get panned for that joke.
0: It probably. Yeah, you know what? The thing is, <laughs> I love Pizza Hut, too. When I come <laughs> off keto, that's one of the first places we go to. So, Pizza! if you're out there, I believe that you didn't do it, even if you did do it. I love you. And My hook turn. up that discount. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that, uh, number one, like everybody would agree, this was right on time uh, in the midst of COVID. Uh, people who love sports, even if you don't love basketball, could really appreciate checking this out. Um, I know this wasn't the most Christian series that we've done on this on this uh, on this wonderful podcast, uh, but I I do think also though that it lends its lens to just the understanding the understanding, good God, uh, the understanding of of things like perspective um, as we we deal with humanity in these times. Um, I think it's just refreshing that we got the opportunity to do something like this. Um, if I'm thinking of anything in particular though one one big takeaway that he, we could really get from this uh that maybe is a side eye that nobody's looking uh for is just um the the spectrum in which we can operate in in systems of grace because i don't know if anybody else looked at it from from that lens but that's what i did uh, for me i'm looking at michael i'm looking at everything that he travailed through um but in the process, you know, people had to have grace for him and his thought process because if they didn't, then he really could have just been the worst player that they've ever played with. Could have been the worst person they ever coached. Um, and there were many different stories that we could pinpoint from. I think specifically, like you were saying, the one with uh, him and Kerr and the fact that Phil Jackson had to kick him out of practice. Like, yeah, obviously, he must have been gifted because if not – Think about it. Any other player, yeah, would have been Stacy padded out in that joint, just like the movie Eddie with, with, with Whoopi Goldberg. Um, you don't even justice. need to say a
1: movie. I mean, coaches are yeah, yeah, fired constantly just, for pissing off their player.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, I was just saying that for justice because she wasn't born when that movie came out in nineteen ninety-five or six or something.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a blessing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was a really bad. Move. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, we could all take something away from that. And, you know, not to pull the homily out of it, but, uh, you know, I think everyone has their own gifts and skills. Uh, I think everyone has a lot to offer um, skill sets that nobody else has because God has called and purposed you for them. Uh, and, you know, the one thing I was thinking was in the midst of all that we have to fight through ourselves in order to attain our own championships. You know, Hebrews 12 says, run the race, strip off all the weight, every sin that so easily entangles. I feel like that's exactly what we watched Michael do. You know, I don't know if it's biblical in its entire representation. I don't think so by any means, um, but nobody is perfect as well. So I'm not going to sit up here and cast real judgment. Objectively, I have my opinion for the man, obviously. I think I've stated that. But at the end of the day, as of right now, he's still the greatest of all time. Um, and in order for him to have been the greatest of all time, um, people had to have had some system of grace. And I just think about how God has a system of grace set up for us as well, uh, because as we're sitting up here fighting and striving to achieve and attain everything that he has for us, um, people are going to have to make exceptions of grace for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I am appreciative of everybody in my world who. Uh, went ahead along with this crazy idea. And of course, you know, this is just your public thank you um, uh, of this this dream and this 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 vision that God gave me uh, to come outside of myself and actually begin to exercise using my voice um, and knowing that I couldn't do that alone, knowing that that was going to take a team. So, I mean, that's why I was thinking about it because now I don't think I'm MJ in the slightest um, as far as like being the GOAT at anything yet. And also, um, I hope y'all don't think that I'm, that mean of a person when we, when we have our meetings and stuff, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I just, in a grand scheme of things that that was one of the things that came to mind and just not only that, but the sense of appreciation that I have, like, I think MJ still really does have a sense of appreciation, but I think he, he shows it, he models it in the way that he knows best, you know? And so, you know, I just, I took, I took a lot of that away from this as I was watching it. And of course, you know, I'm not going to sit up there and talk about that the entire time. Cause that would just be um i don't know weak <laughs> vulnerable <laughs> and you know we are talking about mj hammer man i can't do that i know we got to uh, talk but, about
1: yeah. we got to talk about the greatness but uh, you know jordan yeah. to your point i mean i try to find god in everything in some form or fashion because he he is there or at least something you can pull wisdom wise or something it, there's always something if you're looking for it and what we do see with somebody like Jordan and his story is the simple fact that there's nobody who doubts that Jordan was absolutely called to play basketball. He found his calling and when he did, he put in all the effort that anyone could have asked him to make that calling play out the way that it did. And the, the God and the wisdom in that is that if we truly believe that every one of us has a calling, then that means that we need to start listening up, start focusing on what God is telling us that calling is, and start to put in the work in order to find it. And, you know, that there's your eye to eye that I saw out of this documentary.
2: Yeah. And just to go off of that, you know, something that I just took away from it and that's something that was confirmed is just give everything you have to whatever it is like whatever season you're in whatever you're doing you have to give it 110% and that's something that you know i've been asked like do you feel like you walk away with having any type of regret like do you look back on your career and think oh i wish i would have done that and honestly i can answer that question and say no i know for a fact when i Played my last game, I gave it everything that I had. You know, and I think that no matter what you're doing in life, you should be able to walk away knowing, okay, you know what? I gave it everything that happened. Even if the outcome does not play out, yeah, would I have liked to win a championship in college? Of course. I mean, that's every person's dream when you're playing in sport. But can you walk away saying, I gave it all I had? Michael Jordan. And I think even some of the other players, I mean, when we talk about Reggie Miller or, um, you know, all the other players during that time who, who were, just phenomenal players, you know, even though they didn't win a championship, I think that they would walk away, you know, of course they would want to win a championship, but I think that they could walk away saying, you know, I gave it everything that I had.
1: Yeah. And those guys can walk away proud too, because, you know, they just got beat by the better guy and it wasn't any fault of their own in a, in a lot of cases. And, and that's the thing that I think we as humans need to make sure that we put things into perspective because mm-hmm. you might be called to something that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the greatest ever to do it. But if you mm, can, yeah. if you can touch somebody or you can change a life or you can inspire somebody based on what your calling is, that's enough. You don't have to yeah. go down <laughs> in the record books as the greatest. I mean, there's plenty of these. These, I, Like I said, all these guys that Jordan beat along the way, these were all teams that in some form or fashion, I looked up to. I mean, Shaq was my favorite player for a while. I loved the Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Sonic.
0: Ooh, yes.
1: The Barkley team, like I said. All of these teams, I loved Reggie Miller. There's so many guys who lost along the way that I still looked up to. And so just because you're losing doesn't mean that it wasn't worth it or you're not doing what you're called to do.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's good. Um, And then the other thing is, Devin, you said something. Um, Now, you know what? I'm just going to be petty. I was going to say you said that, you know, you can can find God in anything, which is very, very true. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite pastors in in our area uh, once did a sermon uh, talking about an episode of Empire. And I was like, this man is gifted. (laughs) with the gift of God. Uh, but no, nah, nah, I think, uh, yeah, all in all, I think that there's definitely a lot of inspiration to be had from a lot of MJ's story. And so it was definitely worth the conversation. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, I think that the, the exposure of his life can teach us a lot of valuable lessons. And so to MJ, I give you a, a good salute, sir. Thank you uh, for living your life in pursuit of the excellence that was what it became. Um, When LeBron becomes the number one greatest player of all time, uh, I'm pretty sure that it'll be an honorary ceremonial rite of passage um, because it's coming.
1: They got to get back on the court. uh,
0: is well, you know they're getting back on the course sometimes. so I mean, they, they were talking they're, about that.
1: They're in ta- trust me, man, this, as as somebody who has been starving for a La La Land Championship for quite some time, this has been a difficult, difficult season to to swallow. <laughs> the fact that it ended yeah. like this. I'm I'm hoping that they continue it, but we'll see. <laughs>
0: Hey, listen, you won a Los Angeles Lakers championship, which I have no problems with, to be perfectly honest with you. I've been waiting for an Atlanta Hawks championship.
1: Mm-hmm. Or Falcons.
0: Yeah. You really? This, <laughs> this is supposed to be about basketball. You want to bring that nonsense up? I mean. That's, that's what, really what we want to do? You were so close. <laughs> Look, I'm going to tell you what. So you know what? Close. The Falcons won last year. You didn't realize it, but they did. You know why they won last year? Mm-hmm. Because Kyle Shanahan lost last year. Oh. Sucker! Got okay. my doc on nerves. How you gonna do that, man? How you gonna be up twenty-eight to three, and the rest of the game you're gonna decide? Oh, we're not gonna run anymore, which has been destroying them. Let's just pass the ball.
1: This is apparently where Jordan's bitterness shines through, much like Michael Jordan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, doc on yeah. it. Uh-huh. I mean, he's the greatest for a reason. I- part of that reason was griping. I'm a gripe dog on it.
1: That's true. Gripe that's also one does. of the reasons nah. that uh Swingo hates LeBron cuz he's a griper. So, you know.
2: This is true. I'm I'm yeah, that's a whole nother topic. No, right?
0: I, it's not another it's not a whole another topic anymore. It is. Yeah. No, it's not remember because you had to digress because last week we had <laughs> to concede cuz Cuz I trapped you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I put a donut inside that box and pulled the stick when you went to get it. <laughs>
2: ah, Harden. yeah. <laughs>
1: We're not
2: gonna talk about it, okay? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's okay. It's it's uh, gonna be documented on a podcast forever.
0: <laughs> it is. It's etched in stone uh-huh. for forever, homie. Yes, to know that. Mm, just just go ahead and bask in, in the presence of that. I need you to chew on that for yeah, a second. That's fine. So, well, don't, this don't don't don't, sh- don't shake your head. Don't shake your head. Don't do it. Mm.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a uh, it's a. Audio medium. So shaking your head doesn't help the people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. When we're on YouTube one day they, yeah. they could see that uh-huh. for, for what it's worth. But for now, yeah, no, I need you to just mm, don't even vocalize it. Just, just go ahead and bask in it. <laughs> well, this was take all that in.
1: This was so much fun. This was like a, a welcomed break from some of the heavy things that we've had to explore so far this year. Uh, it was yeah. it was nice to kind of go down memory lane and remember a bunch of stuff and learn some new stuff and you know just just celebrate some of what's great. You know, one of the things that I realized as I got older, and you know, Justice, maybe this will be a little word of wisdom that might help you out just a little bit. I think too often we hate on athletes because that's the nature of sports and the nature of sports fandom. But in reality, when I look back on some of these guys, I really wish that I appreciated their greatness. Before it was gone. And that, you know, I, I bring it back to Tiger quite a bit, but, you know, Tiger was that level of guy where you tuned in, you know, every Sunday to watch what this guy was going to do and watch the greatness, whether you liked him or not. And that got taken away almost overnight. You know, he won the 2008 US Open and then didn't win again for, you know, a, a decade plus. And when that got taken away, I realized in that moment, I'm like, I need to stop hating on athletes that I don't like. It's one that you can root against them, but never lose sight of greatness when greatness is there. You know, we need to be born in a time where we can watch some of these players. You know, I was lucky to be able to watch Jordan and Kobe and Tiger and Brady and all of these guys who've been great. And we should never take that for granted. And I think sometimes we do that too much
0: hmm That's right. Like Isaiah Thomas. Like Isaiah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't take watching LeBron James for granted. I just don't like him.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad that you took everything I said to heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. That is such a hater statement, though. Like, that's not how you're supposed to say that.
2: Okay. It's not that I don't like him.
0: Oh, my God. You Here we go again. You
1: just said <laughs> it's not that... I don't appreciate his greatness is that i don't like him and then your next sentence it's not that i don't <laughs> like him i mean
2: It'd be nice here because jordan's like oh how you said that, I that.
1: walking contradiction I just, oh my gosh things Go
2: about him that come on Jeff. i don't on. particularly care for mm-hmm. okay but again like i said you can't I would be stupid not to respect what he has been to the game.
1: You said it, not us. We didn't call you stupid. You did that to no.
2: yourself, right? <laughs> I'm saying I would be stupid to not respect what he's done. You know, but to I'm just game. not a fan. I'm not. I'm not a LeBron James fan. But.
1: I don't respect what he's done for the
2: game, but I do respect <laughs> what he has done, and I do not take that for granted because, I mean, look what happened to Kobe. I mean, you just never know, yeah, what's going to yeah. happen or when your time is going to be up. So
1: yeah, I think as as sports fans, we should just em- embrace the the great moments. You know, I I think back to. You know, Maguire and Sosa in the Chase, which is going to be oh. another documentary, actually. Um,
0: Heaven help me.
1: But that was just so much fun for like, you know, four weeks in the summer. It was an incredible right. thing to watch, you know, and I, I was lucky to watch it.
0: <laughs> and it tainted the game for a lifetime. It
1: did. It did. Cognitive. And, and to, to hate either one of those <laughs> guys that, that would diminish, you know, your your ability to just appreciate that and just be lucky that it was happening, you know some just just be aware of that just be be happy in the moment sometimes and unfortunately our american fandom allows us to be not happy sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know i think it's just because in the back of my mind when they were smacking 5000 foot home runs i was like oh somebody's going to find something out <laughs> and they did <laughs>
1: It didn't matter, though. I mean, it was so much fun to watch. it. I wish they were still letting them do drugs, to be honest with you. Baseball was a lot more fun when they were doing that than what they're doing now. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I'm telling you. It's so boring now. I mean, it's strikeout or home run. I mean, it is not that fun to watch. And they strike out way more than they hit home
0: runs. So. Yeah, that, that's going to be our next real email. Some baseball purists is about to come for our lives. Thanks, Devin. Really appreciate that.
1: No, that will not come via email. It'll absolutely become via a strongly worded letter via courier or something because that's how baseball <laughs> fans roll. <laughs> Someone will show up in my driveway mounted on a horse to deliver a letter from angry baseball fan. <laughs> cuz lord knows we can't progress beyond you know angry 90-year-old umpires who who are blind in one eye.
0: Oh my gosh. Yo, this is hot. This is this is so ridiculous.
1: The great thing about baseball is there's no clock. Nope. That's actually kind of the worst thing. We got lives oh. to live, people.
0: Wow. This I think that that's a that's a perfect place to shut it down. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: If we just lost a listener, farewell, sir. Farewell. Oh, crap. Plus, I know oh, you don't boy. know how to listen to podcasts. You listen to AM radio only. So we lost nobody. That's how baseball oh, fans were. Wow. Right. That's wow.
0: It what is happening? I really <laughs> thought this was life. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, as Devin said, this has been a much enjoyed and much needed break. Uh, from real life, but stick around because enough has happened that we already got content for the next two, three weeks. Oh, Yay! I sure do. Um, but yeah, now this, this is this has been dope. Thankful once again for for you two ridiculous people. Uh, to to join in on the conversation. Yeah, we might need to talk about a couple of things after this. Uh, Swango, you, you can't be coming for people like LeBron. I just uh and um Devin, you know. Oh, oh.
2: I apologize for
0: my No, I'm just kidding. I'm homework. just kidding. For now.
1: You can't corral me. I'm older than you. You can't corral me. My opinions are set in stone. <laughs> um,
0: I, hey, look, I'm giving out the proverbial spiritual paychecks here at Diagnabit. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> proverbial spiritual paychecks is oh, oh, the real estate. Shut down for another 30 uh, seconds after that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you once again. For tuning in to the latest and greatest, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And as always, please uh, continue to be inspired to inspire, because that's what the inspired one does. Uh, as always, I'm Jordan.
1: I am Devin.
2: I'm Justice.
0: And we appreciate your whole life. Stay safe. Wash your hands. All that good stuff. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. Inspired One Enterprises. Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Marketing and media, Justice Swango. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB at Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave those five stars, and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember to be inspired to inspire as that's what the inspired one does. Take care. God bless. Peace.